Hello, I'm Anthony Sano. I'm Dr. Michael Smith. And this is Fusion Health Radio, the health, lifestyle, and mindset podcast, episode 47, The Wisdom of Spring. Welcome to Fusion Health Radio, your source for inspiration, information, and insight on what it really takes and what really matters on your journey to abundant health. Hello and welcome back to Fusion Health Radio, episode 47. I'm Anthony Santa in studio today, again with the world-famous Dr. Michael Smith. Michael, how are things for you today? Uh, really good. Good. Uh, we're in studio hot on the heels of uh, an episode that we just did, uh, episode 46. If you're mathematically inclined, you could have figured that out yourself. <laughs> episode 46, uh, all about LDN, obesity, aging, and autoimmunity. Uh, more than a multiple around a very potent um, prescriptive drug. Yes, you heard that right. Michael is actually prescribing drugs these days. <laughs> no, I'm not. Do you want to give people just a quick synopsis of what that uh, episode was about? Uh, so, yeah, LDN or low-dose naltrexone, it's an off-patent pharmaceutical drug. Um, and when you're using it at a low dose, it has a really unique impact on your immune system where it essentially blocks what are called opiate receptors. And then after a few hours, your body uh, responds to that by increasing the opiates that regulate your immune system. Once the drug clears out of your system, all those naturally driven immune system opiate molecules uh, spend about 12 hours, 12 hours regulating and reducing uh, overt immune system reactions, allergies, inflammation, swelling, pain. So uh, over time, usually over you know months and weeks, uh, people with chronic complex autoimmune disease can gradually reverse some of the inner workings of how their disease actually happens. Uh, the drugs classically used, uh, you know, in, at a higher dose in the hospital, to help people reduce cravings for uh, opiates, alcohol, and there's another drug that it's sort of a grandchild of called naloxone which is actually used to save people's lives if they're actually experiencing a direct overdose. It was uh, very interesting to hear you talk about um, the, if I say this around a prescriptive drug, the health benefits that one could achieve uh, by taking it uh, at a low dose. Uh, definitely uh, worth a listen to if, uh, I guess, any kind of um, uh, autoimmunity kind of thing is in your wheelhouse is that the way to say it <laughs> um if you're dealing with uh a weight issue obesity specifically um or you just don't like how you're getting old uh yeah and it's also uh, being touted as sort of the miracle preventative response to any kind of cancer yeah very powerful thing to um uh, to learn about so again uh, episode 46 ldn uh, at the topic of that day. Uh, but here we are uh, back again, episode 47. Uh, before we get into that, I should mention that uh, Fusion Health Radio is uh, something that we would love for you to share with your friends uh, and uh, get the message out there. We are now uh, with the proud owners of a Patreon page. Uh, we're actively looking for people who like what we do to help us do it a little bit better. Uh, so if you uh, are so inclined, head over to patreon.com slash fusionhealthradio and see what we're all about. Uh, we have some exclusive uh, content available for you if you consider um, that to be um, a bonus uh, for your fusion health addiction. <laughs> you can sign up and uh, help us do uh, bigger, better, more things, uh, both with uh, the podcast and with uh, the video recordings that we're doing as well. Uh, so again, 47, 
we're talking about uh, the wisdom of spring when Michael and I were sort of uh, spitballing ideas back and forth about what it is we want to talk about. Uh, we didn't actually have anything down on paper uh, short of the idea of actually looking out the window and seeing snow melting and uh, sort of witnessing the beauty of that and the, uh, for me anyways, the sense of relief <laughs> that, that, that comes over uh, when all of a sudden the, uh, the grip of winter has finally broken. Um, Michael, do you want to sort of talk about uh, spring in the sense of um, how it is it um, is important to you, maybe from a TCM perspective, a Chinese medicine perspective? So uh, I think with Chinese medicine, the conversation would almost always start in spring because that's the time we would describe as uh, a time of new beginnings or of the most profound transformation because winter in a way uh, is like hibernation or a mini death or the end of things. Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, if we went back to the more sort of indigenous perspective, I mean, winter is when a lot of people pass away. And then spring, when there's no food to eat, we actually, uh, in Aboriginal culture, refer to spring as the hungry time, at least in this part of the world. Um, that's also a time when a lot of other people die, not just from exposure, but because there's just not enough to get people uh, through to the time when there's enough food to eat. So it's a big time, I think, in any old tradition of, of healing and you know, wisdom or philosophy that you know, the, and I think to bring us to the personal moment for, you know, each of us in this conversation, the listeners, you know, for each individual that hears this, you know, what in you that needs to hibernate needs to wake up. Hmm. You know, we all need to rest certain parts of ourselves. Uh, what parts in you need to hibernate that actually don't need to wake up? And in fact, they need to stay asleep or, you know, be, um, and no sacrificed on the side of the road of your life to be able to actually move on, you know, and that's a big transition for everyone in life. I mean, you know, we live in, you know, the modern Western world and the modern Western world right now is sort of this weird, at least in my experience, this weird, almost argument between people in their fifties and sixties who have made this world and have maybe not taken much responsibility for exactly what it is but are very attached to it. You know, this is our culture. This is our meme. This is our direction. It's our momentum. I mean, maybe we did something wrong, but we don't want to think about that right now. Full steam ahead, everyone. We're going to get where we're going. And then we look at the natural, I mean, I'm not sure what the adjective would be for young people today, but like, okay, you old people, you've destroyed the planet. You've destroyed the economy. You've destroyed the future. And thanks a lot. You know, and, and it's for me, and I'm bringing this up not to just be, you know, picking on the worst things that are happening. There's lots of good things happening too. But that dis distrust between the old guard and the new guard, I think is leaving us very stuck. Mm -hmm. Because I think as, as collective uh, participants in a culture, we're going to have to make some decisions. So I'm bringing that sort of big social parable down into the inside of your life right now what in you in terms of conditioning, social habits, addictive habits, you know, lifestyle stuff, you know, whether or not you eat real good or exercise regularly or whatever, um, we'll call that the old school. You know, that that's the Donald Trump, the Hillary Clinton, or the, I'm not sure why I pick U.S. politicians, I guess they're on TV more, but. Because they're easy targets. Or they're easy targets, thanks. Um, I mean, that that old guard paradigm in each of us, whatever that means to you in the sense of lifestyle, diet, you know, your medical therapeutic choices based on, you know, what you've learned as a child or a younger adult, 
that's what needs to be questioned. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, or obviously I'm not saying it's just blank wrong. But I know in my world, if, if I'm still attached to an idea or I'm identifying with an idea that no longer moves me ahead with a sense of freedom, passion, play, curiosity, I'm dragging it around. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm pretty good at dragging my stuff around. I think everybody is. You're not unique in that. Uh, well, I'm not trying to win. I'm just saying, <laughs> kind of notice like, hey, uh, look at you. <laughs> look at you. Oh, look at me. We're all carrying 200 pounds of the past, right? So not only of memory, but of habit and, and of perspective. And I think that's one of the hardest things um, in life, but especially one of the best opportunities with spring is, is let's all just take some time and slow down and look back at how we got through this last year and what decisions and paradigms and belief systems and, and all of that are going to get you where you really want to go in this life and what are going to be rinse and repeat for 2019. Because hmm. we're here to learn, change and grow. And, you know, you can't do that. And I, I mean, not, not to jump the gun on an idea, but I mean, a lot of people in spring, they do a cleansing kind of process, but I would always say, well, let's start from the top down. You know, what, what's in your noggin that needs to go? What's in your belief system? What's in your mindset that uh, is very likely to be holding you back? And I mean, that's, that's a hard pill to swallow, you know, pardon the, you know, pill analogy here, but... Sure. <laughs> You know, and, and that's the thing. I'm, and I'm, I'm curious where that lands with you, Anthony. Like, you know, you know we're, we're about the same age. Here we are coming up on 50 in our lives. And maybe it's just me, but I'm way, way getting, I'm getting way more out of what I let go of than what I add. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's the, um, you know, the gold pan, you know, the old miner type guy in the creek sifting and throwing out those large hunks of gravel. <laughs> And uh, being really happy with the little teeny nuggets of gold that are left over. Mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty uh, awesome in my life. I mean, in the, I don't know, in the past month or so, uh, two months, maybe three months even, uh, it feels like this winter has really been a sort of uh, compression for me where, um, and by compression picture, you know, holding onto a, uh, a tube of toothpaste and squeezing it with the lid on. <laughs> and then, you know, the lid just sort of goes and all the stuff comes out. And, um, but just think of the pressure that's actually on the tube in the first place, knowing that something's actually got to come out of this thing. Mm -hmm. um, now it hasn't been as maybe dramatic as that for me, but it's, it's felt like um, uh, things in me have just um, decided to change or shift or move focus. I don't really know how to make that sound less airy fairy. Um, but it's, 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 it's almost as if the, 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 there's a, there's a winter in me, in my heart that has sort of said, Oh, Hey, that old thing. Yeah. I'll just leave that over there. And this thing over there, mm, no, don't need that anymore. And it's coming to spring and I'm like chomping at the bit. Mm -hmm. And, um, it feels stronger in me this year now in this moment, um, than it has in the past. So is that, 50 thing is that the uh i don't know midlife crisis kind of thing i don't know if there's a, if there's a way to describe it that i could generalize that everyone goes through i don't know i mean that would be easy for me to pick the same paradigm because again we're about the same age you got that tube of toothpaste too i had no i uh <laughs> <laughs> i use a jar for toothpaste i make my own it it's a thing anyway um I have some friends who are kind of more woo-woo in the 
woo-woo side of things. And I mentioned that 2018 felt different. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember exactly what the source of this was, but it had something to do with numerology, which I don't really know much about. Uh, but the person said that their guru of some kind of yoga or something had said that the numerology of this year is about mastery. Mm -hmm. And that if you align yourself with whatever it is that's going to, uh, that's the word I'm looking for, polarized sounds like, you know, yin, yang, male, female, plus, minus, in the sense of something that's meant to create enemies or difference. But I think polarization all, also kind of means like alignment with something that's got a lot of momentum. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's the feeling a lot of people are talking about this year. Yeah, so here we are in early, early March, and there's already a lot of people speaking to the fact that this year feels to them like a huge opportunity to just, you know, shed some skin and move way on into a, you know, another place. And the fact that it's, you know, spring, that's how people feel in spring anyway. But this year, for me anyway, a lot of other people too. Well, I mean, isn't There's it... lot's going on. It's, uh, it's something that I've recognized um, in the world, and I'm doing air quotes for those of you listening here. Um, I mean, think about all of the um, uh, individuals that have been outed, you know, Harvey Weinstein. Right. And all that sort of thing. It's like all of a sudden, the world as a whole has said, uh-uh. Mm -mm, no, I don't want to put up with this anymore. Like there's a, there's a shift towards, uh, not putting up with BS. Yeah. And the young kids from the most recent, can't believe we just can call them. Oh yeah. That other school shooting that always happens. <laughs> right. Eek. Uh, the fact that they have, you know, banded together and just said, you know, you guys work for us. We're going to outlive you. Why are you getting in our way? This is ours now. Stop being stupid. Yeah which that's a hard pill to swallow, I think, for the old guard in the U.S. But that's, I mean, what we're speaking to right now is the wisdom of spring. Mm -hmm. You know, this this is the time where the stuff that isn't working or may not have ever worked needs to literally be put in the ground. I mean, it's fertilizer. You know, you tried your best. Shut up. Get out of the way. Like, be be naturally willing you know, to allow change to happen. And I think that's what's wrong with our whole inner world, outer world right now is we're bitter and resentful and impatient. I think there's a lot of fear that drives uh, decisions, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I can say that for myself, you know, me avoiding uh, certain things in my life has been dictated by, that's going to hurt. I don't want to do that. Are you kidding? No, <laughs> stop. And um, now I'm at that kind of place of like, uh, okay. Yeah. That thing you said was going to hurt. Mm, no, that's not going to happen. So let's just put that over there and carry on. And it, it's, it's almost like there's a grace uh, about all of this instead of getting past things. And if you will, if I can use that word cleanse, cleansing stuff that doesn't work for me anymore, mm -hmm. uh, in a way of kind of like, you know, being, um, uh, totally wounded by whatever it is and, and, and distraught by it and then moving on in, in, in some sort of state of grief and kind of like agony as I move forward. It's just, it's just simple as like, you know, going in their closet and going, oh yeah, that blue shirt, I don't wear that anymore and putting it in the pile for the, uh, you know, for the thrift store as, as being a little bit detached, if, if I can say that. I, I wish that actually worked. How do you mean? And, and I'm not saying that to gore your ox of, you know, how to move on from your abattoir of blue shirts, but um, it was just to make a point. Because when you were speaking of that, I couldn't help myself from remembering 
a very certain quality of every sweat lodge I've ever been in, which is you let the pain transform your stuck. So let me let me try to clarify the the the, the idea for me. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. I'm just saying that um, I'm okay with it, and I'm not driving forward um, based on how it hurts. I'm driving forward going, well, that hurts, uh, but I'm doing this anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a there's a real maturity, if you will, to, um, you know, falling down and skinning my knee when I was five years old mm-hmm. <laughs> versus falling down and skinning my knee at 50. <laughs> yeah, right. You yeah, know? and I, I want to be clear. I wasn't picking up on some sense of aversion and saying, ha, no, nah, you got to suck it up, dude, and take the pain. I was more wanting to make sure that moving awareness towards the pain or the block or the past or, you know, some addictive behavior, or if it's peanut butter toast and your favorite Earl Grey tea first thing in the morning, you just can't get past or whatever. And again, the reason I brought up the sweat lodge thing is just that there's such a deep, bittersweet peace to like crawling into this thing where you're going to be at 140 to 50 degrees mm-hmm. and your nervous system is going to be screaming to escape this thing, but you're in there laughing, singing and or crying with everybody else. Cause as far as your mammal consciousness is going, you're kind of in the sh- uh, weeds <laughs> or trouble. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's such a, a, another analogy for the whole idea of the wisdom of spring, which is okay. So all that ice has to crack and melt and, and become something else. And any, any amount of identification or attachment we have to whatever that ice had formed into in us, it's got to let go. And mm-hmm. that hurts on our sense of predictability, our sense of self, our sense of control, because now you have to make room for whatever's next. And it could be as random as, I don't know, mm-hmm. scrolling Facebook. You never know what's going to happen. That makes it exciting and scary. I, I think the... Um, uh... I mean, already, I mean, we're only a few minutes into this podcast, but the conversation has taken a uh, bigger perspective than I um, imagined when we uh, coined the title, <laughs> The Wisdom of Spring. I mean, for me, um, The Wisdom of Spring is always something that affects me at a physical level that I've always noticed. It's like, oh, yeah, um, I just feel like getting up out of my chair, even though I'm sitting. Uh, you know, I, I feel like just doing something, busting out of some kind of little cocoon of uh, being um, and just being more active, alive. Um, and I've always wondered, is that just um, is that just me thinking it? Or is there something actually in my body that actually, like, is there like a little switch inside that actually says, oh, hey, start producing this kind of physiology because it's spring? I, I'd say both. So there's a thing that it felt appropriate to bring up. Um, So we all know that you can't really grow a garden without compost. So I think that's one of the bigger hangups people have with that idea of, let's say, the transition from winter or the past into spring or the new is we think it's kind of like, you know, maybe you walk through some magic doorway and then la, you're, you know, you're in the future and it's all science fiction and everyone can, I don't know, telepathically communicate with computers or something. Eek. Um, What's interesting on a deep, like earth centered awareness, and I'm going to take you there. 
right now we're going through a transition that is called um Jingchuo in Chinese and uh, in Tenere, uh, and they both mean the same thing. It means that little tiny baby bugs are scared of being eaten by birds. Okay. Because right now all of the leaves and debris that's underneath the snow, mm -hmm. but as the snow melts, it gets wet. Dry wet leaves turn into a kind of mulch that starts to turn into a whole bunch of food and thermal energy. And that's where most bugs hatch in spring is under the snow in all the debris and compost. And they make all the nutrients that make that entire season's food possible in the sense of plant life. Hmm. So cool little thing to be aware of in the sense of historical calendars and stuff. But why that comes up to, for me to be a really poignant time of year, and it's like literally today is the day they describe that season to begin. Um, that's basically saying, yeah, so what are you composting over the next little while? What are you actually taking from the past that has to, you know, die or be recycled? And what's it like for you to go through the, the space of days or weeks to recycle the past and transform it into the next year. Because this whole, oh yeah, I just changed my mind. Oh yeah, I just suddenly grew up. Oh yeah, I'm finally done with my mid midlife crisis or whatever we think is going on. Um, you know, that that's a very different perspective. Because mm -hmm. the idea of spring cleaning, it's kind of like on off. You know, you walk into a dark room, turn on the light, sweep up the cobwebs, and again, la, everything's good. And maybe that's true if you're going to hire someone else to do the work for you, but then you never did the work, so you're still the same. Hmm. So again, it's going into like a meditative practice or a contemplative practice, which is so much about winter, you know, not much else to do, but sit and watch the fire. Right. And now in spring, we're getting ready to move out there and create the next year. Uh, again, are we conscious of that mulching, transforming thing? Are we effectively driving it with our lifestyle choices, our dietary choices? I mean, spring cleaning, cleansing, it's a big thing this time of year well, for some of us. And, you know, but are we doing it consciously? Is it a part of your mindset to be celebrating the new and grieving the past in the same day? Hmm. Without some negative opinion about grieving the past in the sense of, oh man, still trying to let go of that relationship instead of like it's so amazing to be consciously aware of how i let go of that relationship every time someone triggers me and reminds me that i'm still working on letting go of that relationship because mm -hmm. then we're actively using our mindset to actually choose our mindset instead of throwing bumper stickers at our mindset waiting for it to get the freaking memo <laughs> <laughs> what's this thing stuck on my forehead I, I keep waking up with the same me and i i send the email when i go to sleep new me and I wake up and there's the old me and I don't know. Where? You've done spring cleanse programs for a number of years. Uh, usually we do it spring and fall. Uh, this will be our 18th year. Right. And 10 uh, weeks to abundant health is the yep. cleanse it. Yeah. The one I do is called 10 weeks to abundant health and it's literally 10 weeks of no shenanigans. And so how much of that is actually um, a lifestyle and mindset versus, um, I've, I've taken the course, you know, mm. full disclosure for people yeah, listening and watching, <laughs> um, but I just want you to sort of describe that um, in a way that would sort of further the idea of how it is you're describing this uh, uh, notion of spring uh, energy and the wisdom of spring. So how, how is it that that sort of 
um, uh, structured? Is it all about, um, you know, just take this vitamin or do you actually think about um, lifestyle and mindset in that as well? Well, each week of the course, we have like a context. Maybe you could call it like a teaching or a parable or a, a little thing that's like, so this, this is a thing. It's always going to be a thing. And right now this is our thing. Mm -hmm. So throughout that process, there's 10 or 12 different, you know, just little conversations that I think we should all have. You know, obviously as a cleanse, we're avoiding all the don'ts and we're trying to focus on the do's. And if you need supplements, you should be taking supplements. But step one, I think with the whole process is the 10 weeks are due to something we call neuroplasticity. Right. Uh, and on a neurological level, your brain remembers you based on habit. And it takes about 10 weeks for you to replace enough of previous habits with new habits for your brain. And this is a funny pantomime to play out, but your brain being kind of like the mayor of the village, uh, seems to think that it's running the show. Right. And it wants to know that it knows what it's doing because it's running the show. I mean, how many people running the entire universe or at least your body's version of the universe want to know that they're doing a crap job. So, you know, your brain naturally on the sense of neuropathways thinks I'm pretty good at this. Look at me running the show. And then you spend 10 weeks trying to show it that there's maybe a slightly less erosive way to do this. And the brain is going to, again, with funny pantomime kind of hijinks, it's going to sit there and argue with you going, are you kidding me? I've been in charge forever. This is all we've ever done. This is the way it look. Look at these beautiful neuropathways. We've laid these down for as long as I can remember, because that's my job. I, I look at the pathways. There they are. <clears throat> I run the body and the reactions of the world and look at me go. Hmm. And you start trying to change your habits and the brain starts to cross its arms, cross its chest and go, hey man, uh, what are you doing? That's my job. You know, why, 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 are, why are we doing things differently now? And, and in a way, I think, you know, carrying on with that sort of humorous analogy, the brain eventually kind of hits a point of frustration and says, you know, in biochemistry of whatever kind brain uses, it says, if you seriously want me to change everything, that means uh, we're going to get moody, we're going to get tired, we're going to probably get flu symptoms, we're going to probably get really, really, you know, irritable and weird. Because not only is your body rewiring itself in a way, the part of you that used to know what it's doing is basically like the winter and spring thing being kind of retired. Hmm. So it takes literally, you know, eight, nine, 10 weeks of being consistent about what you're doing for your body's neuropathways to actually get past a certain kind of stubbornness right. or instinct to know what I'm doing because I've gotten you this far, damn it. Right. So... Uh, that, that's a big part of the 10 weeks is, is just giving the, the physiology of the body a chance to remember itself with a completely different metabolic, uh, uh, RPM, if you will, kind of like the, you know, RPM on your car. And, which... uh, and, and as well as it's kind of immune system strategy to the triggers in your life. It just takes that long for the way things work to change on, on kind of the, the neuro pathway level. Hmm. And would you say most people come to the idea of uh, doing this program with um, similar goals? Like I, whenever I think of uh, cleanses and that sort of thing, I always think of weight loss. Now, for those of you watching the podcast here, <laughs> you can see that's not necessarily something I needed to do. But uh, I, but, you were both pretty sort of no, trim. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, to say the least. So um, is, is there sort of a... Um, I don't know, catch all sort of thing that actually brings people to want to do this. And in, in so doing, I, I guess I'm asking, 
I'll try this to be a bit more succinct. In the years that you've done it, have people come with sort of one idea and they leave with some other kind of idea? Uh, absolutely. I would say statistically, and we've done it twice a year, so this is like, this will be the 36th time we've done this program with people. So statistically, let's say half of the people, you know, over, over that period of time have brought in weight loss as one of the things that they're looking at. Mm -hmm. And second thing, um, the second thing would be people trying to clean up their body from previous, uh, party mode, addicted behavior. You know, they, they finally got right with things or they're using the cleanse to, uh, commit to and get right with a certain habit or addiction. So that's, that's a big focus is just kind of grit your teeth and try and clean up shop. Mm -hmm. Um, other people, I think it would just be chronic illness, fatigue, general lack of, uh, sort of spontaneous playfulness in life. And they're like, well, I need to change something. And they see a program like that. And it's kind of, there's so much more going on in that program than just, you know, eat some celery and, you know, you know, give up the beer, but, uh, cause it's really about trying to guide people's relationship with themselves in, in a way that takes you through all the layers of you, you know, that this is you and in, in the general sense of you, this is you, um, and your just relationship with self-care and asking for help. I mean, that's a big thing in this, that, that process, which is, well, who's your team? Who's on your team? Have you communicated to those people what your needs are? Are, are you actively committed to this in the sense of like a rite of passage? Because otherwise you're again doing that passive thing where we kind of sit back in the, you know, the backseat and assume whoever's driving the condition, it could be your medical doctor, it could be some, you know, person who's trying to walk you through a 10 week cleanse. But, you know, that that's always the big danger is we just sort of sit and wait and see what happens. And so with this kind of a process, uh, you don't really allow people to do that. At least I don't. I keep finding kind of playful and creative ways to get people engaged and um, feeling like they're in some way a part of the detective process in resolving whatever whatever it is they fundamentally need to work out. You know, because it's, it's one thing to take a, a list of do's and don'ts and, and do your best with it, uh, but you'd be relatively asleep. Hmm. You know, instead of going, oh yeah, this is me doing that whole compost thing. You know, it's spring, there's things in sense of mindset or habit or lifestyle that I know I need to change. And that's just not black and white. It's me facing that habit, replacing it with another habit, and then gradually feeling so good about the way I feel and, and what's happening to me because of the new habit, that getting rid of the old habit isn't just, you know, poisoning your grandparents as some kind of super negative way of looking at it. Cause you're not trying to poison your past. You're trying to respect the fact that it got you this far and it was based on decision-making that doesn't work for you anymore. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to experience the growth, you kind of have to, and this, this is such a weird analogy that just popped into my head, but you know how, you know, especially with men, when we tussle and we try and put somebody in a headlock and then you just sort of rub the top of their head with your knuckle. I think they call it a noogie, whatever that's supposed sure. to mean. Yeah. I wonder what language that comes from. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think in the same way that we try and tussle and be playful and a bit rough with each other, but in that kind of younger brother sense, you know, I won at the wrestling match, so I get to give you the noogie. Mm -hmm. You want to be able to do that with your past self. Hmm. You're not hating it. You're not killing it. You're not, you know, loathing who you used to be. You're kind of, kind of 
grabbing it by the scruff of the neck going, oh, you're so cute. You're such a little pain in the butt, but now you're going to be gone and thanks for hanging out mm-hmm. instead of, you know, that whole black and white thing. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you the, uh, um, the experience I had, I mean, leaving the cleanse, if, if I can say that, like after doing it, um, I didn't feel like I had a huge, um, I don't know, list of things that I needed to do um, just because. I didn't have a whole bunch of supplements that I needed to do just because. Um, it was a, um, a very healthy, gradual mind bender. <laughs> if I can, you know, like if, if, that, if I can say those two things in the, in, side by side. Um, yeah, it, it, it felt like a, um, a caring and loving thing to do um, as opposed to, um, you know, sitting down and Googling 10 things to do to clean your liver and, you know, uh, taking a whole bunch of stuff and doing it with Vim and Vigor for the first two days. And then on day three, it's like, oh, what about that beer? And then, yeah, right. you know, totally forgetting the whole idea, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was def- definitely a, a, a different kind of uh, lens on things. Um, and uh, I think there's still aspects to whatever it is I learned that I still carry with me today. Um, I don't know that I could be that specific as to what they were because it was about, I think what that did three years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it was three or four years ago when you guys were in the course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would, would it be the kind of thing that somebody would want to do um, on a regular basis? There's probably uh, maybe 10 people that keep doing it and that they're, they're usually in about a four-year cycle, so they all come back about every four years and do it again. Hmm. So I'm due? Uh, if you feel like doing it again. <laughs> But I, I can say each of those people that is a recurrent participant in that process, um, most of them are like my mentors. The fact that they come to my class to do whatever I have to offer is kind of funny to me because they're people I would actually like rather listen to them go hmm. on about whatever they're doing because the, they're all people who have, have a certain kind of uh, integrity and authenticity in their lives where, um, you know, for them to keep going back and doing some kind of, you know, health course isn't for them it isn't about the you know oh yeah it costs a couple hundred bucks to do it or oh yeah i'm gonna you know change my you know habits a little bit for those people specifically it's just a chance to just keep being present to our conditioning Mm -hmm. and present to our freedom and our consciousness and our creativity so i really love it when actually one of them signed up again just for this year because it's starting in about three weeks um yeah, they just sent me an email. So, okay, I'm coming back for round. I think it's three or four for them. And, uh, he's really funny guy. He's a friend of mine. He always picks on me for, uh, not starting people off with like the real hardcore version of, of the diet and lifestyle. Cause he, he does that from like day one. He just does 10 weeks of the hardest thing you can do. Hmm. Whereas most people just want to spend two weeks in the middle doing the really hard part. Cause it's, it's kind of hard to limit your lifestyle that way. And the reason I bring that up is for me, it, it's such a great mirror to meet people who are that playful with the conditions of their life. Cause most people are just burned out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's the hardest part for taking that kind of a course for most people is it's, can I add 10 more weeks of more, even if it's a couple hours a week of, you know, infotainment and, you know, my version of doing, you know, webinars and stuff like that. Um, 
And then there's the rest of the week of commitment to, I got to make a smoothie every day or drink more water every day, or I have to figure out how to get supplements in all the places I spend my time. So I don't forget a dose if I want to take this seriously. And naturally a lot of people, their, their natural reaction and aversion is to, oh, I don't think I can take any more in my life. Hmm. And if that's actually your response to something like this, hallelujah. You know, I'm not suggesting you should, you know, bend over and sign up for the course just because, you know, someone dares you to, because that's not my intention. My, my intention in congratulating someone for realizing your life is too much is, well, you know, now what? Right. You don't need to maybe sign up for a cleanse to start cleansing your life, but clearly if you have too much, a little bit less would be good. Mm-hmm. And if that's less responsibility or less uh, dependency on short-term gratification... I mean, I know a lot of patients that I have, um, and I'll, I'll pay, I'll pick a, a specific group. So one of the hardest, one of the groups of people in our culture that have the hardest time getting their health care needs met are single moms. Hmm. Because they're too busy focused on the, uh, the well-being of somebody else. They're living two or three people's lives. Yeah. Right. And being mama bears, they can't, you know very easily just ignore that whole thing. So when someone like in that situation comes along and is thinking about doing some kind of 10 weeks of, you know, adding more or restricting more or changing more, it's just the the idea of more. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those people, um, and I'm not picking on them, I mean, it's probably 20% of my patients. The hardest thing that they run into is that short-term gratification in the evening where they finally get to be an adult for an hour or two. Um, just because, I mean, it's, I mean, this, this is an actual statistical fact that when it comes to populations seeking, uh, mental health support, the number one population is single moms because they have the least amount of time to actually have conversations with people their own age Hmm. to really just work out where they're at and, you know, what it's like to be a single mom and, you know, dealing with all, all the money stuff, the relationship stuff, or just, there's a lot of stuff. So not to go too far afield in that direction, but it's it's just to say, you know, that's always the biggest speed bump for people is that's just more. Mm-hmm. Even if it's more of doing less, it's more of something. Mm-hmm. So, ooh, ick, get it off of me. And if that's true to you, if your natural response to, hey, you could take better care of yourself, if your first instinct is that's too much, it's already too much. You know, if, if your life is is so much right now that just tweaking a few little habits to, I don't know, reduce your biological age by five years and 10 weeks or something like that, if the math of that is, oh, that's too much, it's already too much. And, and I'm not judging anyone. I'm just saying, start there. Like, your life is too much. You, can, you can't even think about taking care of yourself for like 10 weeks. Like, come on. Mm. And, and, and then that's the winter spring thing. Because if, if your life is overwhelmed and you are dragging your past around that much that something as simple as taking care of yourself feels like too much, it's time to really embrace the wisdom of spring, which is what's, you have to start with something new. You know, your, your past is overwhelming your present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sort of, uh, keeping it held down instead of, you know, that little bud in the spring. Yeah. I mean, breaking the, the, up to the, gro- the ground, the, the, this is the... If I, if I was to be really diagnostic, I mean, the the essential theme of the modern world is impatience and control. Hmm. 
and um, bringing that back to the wisdom of spring. If you have chosen to control your life by sticking your antlers or your horns, I guess, I guess I'm thinking of a bull charging into a china shop, but just in the sense of like conflict, mm -hmm. I think most of us, and I know I've done this in my life a few times, we pick a kind of fight that we know we can fight. You know, it's a struggle that's been in your family for 10 generations or uh, you've seen enough friends and, and other people, you know, live a good part of their lives locked into that particular struggle, whatever it is. And I mean, it could be, I mean, just because this is in the news right now, it could be pro, you could be pro-gun person and that's where your horns are stuck. You could be an anti-gun person and that's where your horns are stuck. And because we're going to stay with the argument about being guns and I'm not going to go into that because that's not my job, but... Um, if we're going to pick the argument as the thing that's the most important to us, instead of any of the other things that could come up around that issue, we're choosing control, hmm. right? Because I, I know the fight. I know the, my talking points. I, I know if somebody was going to interview me on TV, that'd be my 15 minutes. I know exactly what I'd say because I think about it all the time because that's the fight I picked to fight in my head. Maybe it's a really bad example, but, um, the imagery of, you know, uh, a bull trying to bash its head into a fence that it's been bashing its head into for 20 years is, I think, a pretty reasonable image. And mm. the bull really does believe that it's the bull versus that particular corner of the fence. Like, that, it's, that, I hate the smell of that corner. If I can knock it over, I'm going to finally be a better bull. Mm. And that's control because we've picked to fight a fight instead of picking to fight to win or to transform, or to leave something behind. I mean, again, myself included, many, many people I've met in my life, you know, days, months, years, decades of life, sacrificed to the horns of a bitter, controlling cow. <laughs> <laughs> of, of the part of our minds that just wants the familiar. Right. Right, it just, it, it just knows. I know that argument, I'm sticking with it. Wisdom of spring is what else could we do that's completely in a different part of the corral? Like, clearly this is an old thing. Mm -hmm. It's 20 years of banging your face into this, so move on to something else as well. And maybe with that new wisdom or appreciation or playfulness or better sleep or more vitamin D or whatever actually happens for you, that change in you, change in perspective, change in maturity, patience may actually get you to finally stop bashing your face into that corner of your particular corral because you finally get it. Oh yeah, that's my dad's fight or that's my uncle's fight or that's something I honestly picked up from watching TV shows or mm -hmm. something, you know, and it's, it's not getting not black or white. We're not trying to kill our past. We're trying to find the wisdom to grab it, put it in a headlock and say, oh, you're so cute, <laughs> but you got to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm just conscious that you know, we wanted to talk about the wisdom of spring and we've talked about, uh, the, the cleanse, cleanses that, uh, that you've run in the past. Um, and I thought it might be, uh, prudent to sort of bring things back to a little bit more, uh, practicalities in terms of our listeners, mm -hmm. um, with respect to you offering this course in the first place. Can you describe the, I guess the, uh, the mechanics, how does it actually work? Sure. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm just averse to commercials, so. <laughs> well, that's why I'm here. Yeah. Uh, so the 10 weeks course, um, we meet once a week, either in person or online, or if you're not available to be a live participant online, you can watch, uh, uh, 
it's usually about 24 hours it takes to upload all that video. So people can watch the talk, you know, the next day or maybe two days out. Each talk has a very specific uh, point to make. You know, some of them are obvious, like if you're on the week where we just talk about cleansing your liver, obviously that's all we're going to talk about because there's a lot to that. Uh, but again, each week has its own really unique conversation. For over half of the course, um, when we're going into whatever conversation we're going into, the conversation is going to be mostly about what this system uh, does, how it works, what goes wrong, and obviously uh, what you should do about it. Mm -hmm. And the way that we get people to, to be more precise is uh, there's a course participant manual and people go in and they basically take a pencil or something and you go through these questionnaires and the questionnaires give you uh, uh, at least a subjective sense of the functionality of that system. So if you're going through your adrenals or your pancreas or your serotonin or what your gallbladder is up to, at least you can take a self-led, uh, self-quantification kind of questionnaire. And if the, your results for that questionnaire are like crazy off the wall high, uh, you'll be given that information right below the questionnaire, which is a low number means this and a high number means this. So if you get a really high result on a questionnaire, then you're going to be given in that participant manual a list of, you know, more precise things to do with diet, more precise things to do with supplements, um, adjunct therapies that are uh, known to be supportive. So that way, you know, maybe we go through like uh, 30, 25 questionnaires throughout the whole 10 weeks. Um, let's say that your average person finds three or four of those questionnaires to be high enough that, you know, suggest some kind of treatment or... Uh, at least a deeper kind of self-care. Uh, so again, through that 10 weeks, each person is going to get the little red flag of, you know, for you, it's your gallbladder, for you, it's heavy metals, for you, it's, you know, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Uh, it could be any number of things, but at least it, it lets the participants uh, take the whole experience and the, the general sense of what we're all going to do together and then also have an individualized track where each week they can be more precise to what's going on for them step-by-step uh, step through the process. Mm -hmm. So that that's sort of the broader stroke is, you know, basically like any other course, you're going to show up and learn some things. But what makes it more specific medically um, in terms of its potency for each individual is that use of the questionnaires and the those kind of sub-protocols uh, that can help people just balance things out. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I, I would say that those, uh, those questionnaires would be, um, if you did nothing else, uh, just doing those questionnaires to help identify what's going on, even if you don't have the, um, I don't know, get up and go to do uh, other things, uh, having those sort of diagnostic tools um, to reflect back on yourself to maybe perhaps give you a little bit more courage to actually take that next step. Yeah, and, and maybe and this happens for some people who've done the course in the past where the first time they do it, they do it as sort of like a drive-by you know, they're, they're like, oh yeah, I'll just a little buffet. I'll just take this bit and on that little tidbit. Mm -hmm. And then they come back a few years later and they want to do it again. And now they're ready to go like all in. Mm -hmm. And I, I would encourage anyone, if you're thinking about looking for that kind of a course, to take the course um, or any other course and, and to be honest with yourself. If you're not going to go 100% with it right now, you're not wasting your time. You're, you know, you're intuitively kind of stalking something you know, the way you would stalk an animal in the forest, you know, you have to kind of get a sense of what it's about and, you know, how much work it's going to be, you know, before you actually decide to go hunting. Sure. Right. So I think some people, when they go into these things, you know, that first pass is sort of a scouting pass, you know, okay, I'll get rid of the really bad stuff, but I'm not going to fill out questionnaires and take more vitamins because I think that's dumb. 
and then a year goes by and you're like, oh, well, my arthritis has gotten really bad. So maybe I will take those questionnaires and take my vitamins and stop saying, oh, mm -hmm. so there's that. Uh, I think I could walk through the 10 weeks very, very quickly. Sure. So week number one is simply just the do's and don'ts. Like clearly, obviously things like caffeine, alcohol, sugar, you know, they have to go, but we talk a little bit more about why, you know, and then the do's, you know, what it is about, uh, you know, eating more fish or more specific kind of vegetables or how much raw versus how much cooked. And Well, I, I, w I would say that um, the why of why you shouldn't do things, mm -hmm. the why of the don'ts, um, is on par with the kind of conversations that we've had where, you know, we get into a bit of a medical geek out, a physiological geek out on ideas. Um, and I'll speak personally, that actually gave me a lot of confidence um, to be able to do the don'ts. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that would be a hard thing to put in English. You know, l learning about why I shouldn't be doing something, it's like, Oh, wow. It's really doing that. Oh, that's not good. Oh, geez. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's a funny thing about us as a species is, you know, you, you give people like the five things that'll take you out from too much sugar, uh, sugar caffeine, alcohol, sugar, bad, I say that every five minutes. Um, it's funny how much more motivating, like how bad it could be for people compared to saying like, oh yeah, well, if you just made some ceviche and ate that like for every meal for a week, you know, it'd be so amazing and blah, blah, blah. Most people are like, their eyes are already rolling back at the idea of having the same meal more than once in a week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know. Um, so sorry, that was... So um, yeah, week, week, week one, one is just do's and don'ts. Uh, week two, now that we're hopefully living to the best degree that we can on our commitments to the do's and don'ts. The focus is much more on the mindset of what it would take for each participant to kind of own, you could say, where you're really at. Now, with respect to your health and diagnosis, that depends on how much time you spend talking to doctors and how many pills you're supposed to take every day to be well. Uh, you know, just in the sense of, you know, what you're dealing with. But another part of that process is doing a bit of a self-inquiry around your level of intention and your level of need and probably more important, although harder to wrap our minds around first, is your team of support. You know, if you're a person who's really, really healthy and you're just trying to lose that last 10 pounds and, I don't know, finally balance out your quads to your traps or something, I mean, this course may or may not be for you in the sense of, you know, it being about optimal, maximal physical fitness. And we do get into that. But the f bigger part of this is trying to drag people out of the, the ditch a little bit, you know, and that, that's sort of more of the point of, of that part of the course is if you're in a serious situation, you're going to have to take this a bit seriously, but serious is usually the thing that brings up impatience and control. So how are we going to bring our minds around to committing, you know, nine more weeks to even more precise and specific behaviors, given the fact that our, our default relationship with this is going to be about impatience and control. So there's that, that whole second week is just trying to unravel uh, a lot of the quirky things that we have, as well as really sort of reverse engineering how chronic disease works for people and just say, look, this, if there's a top 10 and there is a top 10 things that can go wrong in human physiology that drive all known disease, you know, if you can look at each of those things and commit to even three of them for the next, you know, now there's nine weeks left and you're going to do it specifically, that's your cleanse for you. That's what you've chosen to do. Some people pick all 10. Some people have to pick all 10. They just can't not. A few other people there, they're going to pick one. You know, that, that's really all they can see them, themselves getting into. And I, I, that might seem like, you know, why aren't we doing livers already? God damn it. I'm going to, you know, 
get get on that. Uh, because we have this two and a half months to really get into stuff, you know, the one doing the cleanse is obviously that important. You have some basic ideas of what you're going to do. Now it's to ask yourself, who is the one doing this? And are you being honest with yourself about what you actually have to do to get well? Mm-hmm. Right. So week three, now that we're pretty committed to the do's and don'ts and hopefully free of the don'ts, hint, hint, <laughs> uh, we're getting really, really intimate with the meaning of this journey because that's the big win. Third thing is, okay, let's get into some really, really sane behavior with respect to like sleep, rest, and play. Okay. And sleep is different than rest. Right? Mm-hmm. Rest is you being awake, but not doing anything, like nothing. Right. Sleep is you're so busy repairing your cellular tissue. You don't have an ounce of calories to be conscious. So you're asleep. So, you know, really to maximize that with sleep hygiene and, you know, maybe some supplements too. You'd be amazed at what happens when you take a lot of patients and for one or two nights a week, they take a bunch of supplements as if they had chronic insomnia and they don't. Hmm. But those one or two nights of deep stage four restorative sleep every week changes their metabolism because now the body can reset itself and heal itself and repair itself more. Uh, play. I ask a lot of patients this, um, you know, and I think I've said this on the show before. I ask patients, you know, when is the next time in your schedule on your phone or however you organize your life, when is the next thing scheduled for fun? Just for the hell of it. And mm-hmm. if you can't think of something you have committed to in the future, the near future, that's just for fun, that's a symptom, <laughs> right? That that's that's not normal. That's not healthy. It's not. Uh, it's not that I'm judging anyone. I've been there a lot myself. It's just a really good way of like you know Chinese pulse diagnosis. You're just mm-hmm. using your phone. Does uh, podcast does podcasting count as fun? It is for me. Yeah, same here, <laughs> for sure. Although I don't put this on my schedule, that's the most fun thing of the week. But it's often the day after the most fun thing. Anyway. Um, so that's week three and, uh, again, that's a deal breaker for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I just went for it and I got some really good sleep and I finally shook off the brain fog. Mm -hmm. Uh, week four is all about not only doing the work around fitness and fat loss, but really understanding how futile most of our thinking around fitness and fat loss have been for about 50 years. And if I can think of another F word that's appropriate, I'll keep alliterating with Fs. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Nerd moment. Uh, Yeah, so we really spend that whole week deconstructing the way muscle physiology works and how fun it can be to organize certain kinds of play adventures in the gym or at a pool or with some friends to just give your body a chance to explore and stress itself out a little bit way mechanically so it can actually grow and heal and repair itself. Cause mm-hmm. the other instinct, you know, towards safety and snuggling up in a little ball somewhere to, you know, not deal with pain or, or the stress of life that that's going to make you sicker, mm. right? Cause you're, you're behaving like a sick wounded animal who's hiding. You're not, you know, you're not living your life. <clears throat> uh, a friend of mine, she has these two kittens and they, just got fixed a while ago and they had these cones on their head mm-hmm. and they just took the cones off their head like yesterday afternoon. <laughs> and she was describing to me how like ecstatic the kittens were at finally being able to wash their face. And we literally, we were just having breakfast, went off on imitating 
the the neurotic pride of cats and their appearance and stuff but it's you know it just seemed like a really good analogy for what it's like to come back into your physicality like so. to have a sense of like pleasure and awareness at having a body and actually making it work so week four cone on the head got it yeah no week four is take the cone off your head and <laughs> <laughs> now that you're finally getting enough sleep <laughs> go to the gym and do some push-ups uh, but yeah, just that, that's the whole thing. And, and the other thing we get into with that part of the process is, uh, I've spent about half an hour just making fun of in, in a tongue in cheek, but professional way of all the reasons why diets just cannot work metabolically. They're, they're just scientifically glitched. There, there's no way for calorie restriction and over exercise to not damage your body. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I remember that. That was, uh, um, a whole lot of fun to say the <laughs> least. <laughs> To, to well, for a person like you, who's never going to have to deal with like trying to lose 50 pounds, I'm sure you had a, a real great laugh at like, ha ha, look at those poor people who have to work their butts off in futility. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> um, so week four, um, then week five. Uh, week five is all about uh, stabilizing your metabolism specifically with all of your hormones and neurotransmitters. And that's, that's when we really start to get into the questionnaires because you really need to make a distinction between what your adrenals are doing, what thyroid is doing, what, say, serotonin and other uh, neurotransmitters are doing, insulin, thyroid, you know, all of it. Because they're, they're all uh, like a committee of, of people who are in charge of a part of the company. And it's the consensus of all of them by the end of the day or the end of the week that determines what it's like to be you. Mm -hmm. So if you can balance out... Uh, all of that stuff. And that there's a lot of interaction between different hormones, hormones in your immune system, hormones and neurotransmitters. So by assessing those uh, either through questionnaires or actual lab testing, um, you can get a bead on exactly where your body is degrading, you know, how it's overcompensating, what the real imbalances are and start shifting that. And because shifting deep systems like hormonal metabolism take time and the benefits take time, that's why we do that as sort of our first real medical deep dive into, into what's going on for people. Mm -hmm. yeah, very cool. Uh, week six? Uh, that's all about making sure your digestive system is actually getting all of the nutrients out of what's on your plate into your bloodstream. It's, it's a kind of a funny thing that, you know, if you and I were to, I don't know, put together a potluck dinner or something, no, a potluck wouldn't work. If we were to put together a dinner party and serve everybody a really fancy dinner, mm -hmm everybody would naturally assume if we all sat down at the table and we were all given the same, you know, overall serving size of whatever our dinner party was going to be about, the assumption is, is that everyone at the table has got the same number of calories and they're going to get the same number of nutrients out of what's on their plate. And there is nothing farther from the truth. Yeah, I was just going to make that, you know, game show contestant wrong noise. <laughs> <laughs> we should get bored with bad sounds and never use it. We don't need it. It's right here. I know. Uh, yeah, and that includes things like mild dysbiosis with candida, what your pancreas and gallbladder and, you know, stomach and uh, all of that is doing. And again, with questionnaires, you can really look into every element of your digestive system, do a couple of challenges uh, if you wanted to, just to make sure you are actually getting the most out of your food because that passive-aggressive assumption that, well, 
I have a mouth and I can go poo. So everything between my mouth and my poo, perfectly normal. It's like, mm, maybe. <laughs> your mouth and your butthole work. Yeah. So, <laughs> and so, McDonald's is still, you know, they, they still sell food. So you, you must be good. <laughs> Everything's working fine here, dear. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Look at the size of that. Yeah, right. It's peeking out of the bowl. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, podcast listeners need to have something yeah, to think about. It's, I, if you lived my life, you'd you'd have more than enough poo imagery in your head for <laughs> 10 lifetimes. I've had people once, I had a guy show up on my door at four o'clock in the morning because he emergently had to describe his crap. Wow. Yeah, so just, just saying, you know. <laughs> Let's just walk right into step, uh, <laughs> sorry, um, week seven. Uh, I guess we are at we'll six. Let's step around that steaming five, pile. <laughs> Where did Michael go? He ran out, just dove off the side of the roof. We don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. To him. He just ran. He just gone. <laughs> and week seven is all about your immune system, hmm. uh, specifically the seventy-five percent of your immune system that surrounds your gut. Uh, we dive into what's called leaky gut syndrome or intestinal permeability. Um, that's really when the cleansing process, you could say when the rubber hits the road or the, I don't know, raw fish hits the celery. Because <laughs> that's when you're going to want to do the most deep dive into uh, restricting any kind of uh, food that isn't absolutely 100% going to make you have a stronger, healthier gut lining. Hmm. You know, Hippocrates said 2,400 years ago, all disease starts in the gut. And if you look at the last two years, especially in the functional medicine, integrative medicine world, you know, we've been saying that for 20 years, but now we've got, you know, this whole other funny look on our face because we have all these new lab tests that are proving, yep, told you, yeah, told you, you got the wrong bacteria, you can't lose weight. You got the wrong bacteria, you're going to be a mental patient. You got the wrong bacteria, blah. So it turns out that uh, not only being able to understand all that, but to correct it over time is the shizzle, I think is the cool way to say it. Mm -hmm. Well, and it should be said too, that, uh, by week eight, um, one participants are probably more, um, up to actually being that, um, much of a, I don't know, cleansing Jedi. And you've already cleansed for six weeks. Yeah. Right. Cause if you're on week seven, week one and two is actually just one week. So it's Math is annoying, but you know, so you've spent six weeks basically not interfering with your health, right. uh, which is going to give all those specific subtle protocols, the, you know, the best chance to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so sorry, that was week eight, seven, seven. You sure? Mm -hmm. It's your course. You want to know? It's the 36th time I've done it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like I should wake up. What, 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 are we, what, 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 what week are we on? Not, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, right. We stepped around the pile of six and into seven. Now we're into eight. <laughs> eight. <laughs> uh, memories are fun. So eight is just basically how your liver works. And it's not massively complicated. It's very subtle and intricate. Uh, there's a really simple way to understand it given, I don't know, some basic conveyor belt analogies. And again, given that we've now spent seven weeks eating a nutrient-dense diet and avoiding the things that are going to jam up your liver, when you do the questionnaire for your liver at that point, and I think it's important to say this for people thinking about this, you don't want to do the questionnaires until the week of the system you're right. working on. Because if you did the the questionnaire for your liver on day one of week one and you haven't changed anything, it's probably going to sound like a pretty upset liver, well, depends on your lifestyle, 
But if you wait until you've been, you know, eating a nutrient dense diet, getting lots of sleep, drinking lots of water, probably taking some supplements for that long, your liver is already like 50% better. Mm -hmm. So if you take a questionnaire and your liver is still limping in some way, you're going to get the most surgical uh, benefit from any specific changes in that protocol because now it's super accurate to exactly just what's left, you know, of that, that primary system of your, of your body's, you know, just ability to deal with food. Right, right. Um, and then uh, week nine? So week nine is about primarily improving circulation and elimination. So it's kind of weird that, you know, if cardiovascular disease is one of the top killers in the modern world, why would we wait until week eight or nine to like get into the, you know, circulation thing? Well, you can't really fix circulation until you've fixed your liver and you can't fix your liver until you've fixed your leaky gut. And you can't really fix a leaky gut if your digestive system's crap. Yeah. Sorry about the pile there. And then you're not going to get a hell of a lot of changes in digestion, immune or liver function if your hormonal and, uh, basic, you know, neurotransmitter functioning metabolism is already out of whack, you know, so that, that's why it's done in the sequence because there's only really one order in which systems interact in the body. It's the knee bone connected to the leg yeah. bone. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of more like rolling or pouring water down a hill. Hmm. I mean, the water's going to pick up speed and get dirtier down the hill unless every step along the way down the hill you've organized, uh, something that corrects the movement and purifies the movement. So we work on circulation in the sense of cardiovascular disease to actually remove as much placking from your arteries as you can. And believe it or not, it's not that hard to remove placking from your arteries. It's, it's no brainer really. Hmm. But you can't do that if you're still having a highly inflamed, high insulin spiking, um, burdened metabolism. And you know, if your liver's full of crud, you're not gonna clean out your kidneys. Right. And that brings up the elimination part because everything below your liver that actually deals with elimination, um, maybe I'll just step back. Your liver's job is to deconjugate and rearrange molecules into either water-soluble or fat-soluble states. It's not a detox organ. It's a pre-detox organ. Hmm. It's more of an assimilation organ. Once your liver has changed the molecules that are dangerous into less hostile versions of themselves, then they can be transported through your blood supply and through your other organs to be eliminated. So when you're talking about elimination organs, you're talking about lymphatic system, kidneys, lungs, you know, urine, uh, skin, gallbladder, uh, other things like that. And then you might even go deeper with respect to, are we eliminating something un unnatural, like the, the bodies of parasites that we've had to kill off or heavy metals or other... Uh, you know, food additive toxins that are things that build up in your own tissues. So when it comes to elimination, I mean, that could be, for some people, that's the next year. They, they learn about it in week nine, and then they spend the next year picking away at eliminating something like heavy metals, because you can't do that in a hurry and not hurt yourself. Right, right. Well, and, and I think that should be said too, that the whole of what one learns over the course is stuff that actually lives with you ongoing. It's not just, you know, 10 weeks and you're done. It's not like you're going to a mechanic to change your spark plugs and then you drive away. Yeah, and that, that's my favorite thing about the course um, as it is now, because I've had people who don't want to do the course again who do it on their own. Mm -hmm. And because they have the course manual and cookbooks and stuff like that, they're like, oh yeah, I'll just start the cleanse on my own. Uh, and I get those people who, you know, come back, you know, spring or fall, whenever, and they just, hey, Michael, how's it going? I did your cleanse again. And I'm kind of often taking a moment going, I don't remember seeing you there. Oh, you did it on your own. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because they have that 
step-by-step process and all the questionnaires, they just go through it again. And, you know, it's, I don't know how many people are like, yeah, I do that like every few years on my own now. And it's just like this amazing way for me to just focus in on, you know, step-by-step checking in with my health and, you know, doing what I need to do. Yeah. So it's, it's a, not only is it a good course to take, uh, in just general, you know, things to do that in, all by itself could really help a person. I think it's a really great idea for people, uh, who want to actually have a container for mm-hmm. future endeavors of, of assessing and, you know, responding to and improving your health. Or if you're a clinician and you're just really curious about, um, how an integrative medicine, functional medicine, uh, generalized process would look. Yeah. And I'm not saying this with any emotional attachment, but there's, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 clinicians who've taken that course and rewritten it and run their own course hmm. in the way that they decide to uh, say branded or, or describe things themselves because a lot of people really want that kind of a container. Sure. So for clinicians who are looking for that kind of a container, you know, you can borrow mine or make up your own, but, um, that's a really profound thing. I really love doing that course myself cause I love the container too, you know, okay. From this date till that date, you know, I shop, cook, you know, prep my food, you know, carry my thermos around with all my yummy things in it. Um, just as an affirmation of how smart it is to be organized and ahead of the game. Yeah, it's a very powerful, um, I mean, speaking personally, ha- having gone through it, it's a very powerful thing to um, to do and to, I guess, embody um, uh, beyond that. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, wow. Um, it, it's just such a, um, I keep coming back to this, or an organized, logical, sensical kind of approach to um, this is what's working, this is what's not working, and here's what you can t- you, here's how you can carry that forward kind of thing, right? Yep. So we didn't really talk about week 10. So week 10 is all about your cells. Mm-hmm. So it's a cellular cleansing process just to get into the last bits. And I think it's, I don't know, because of who I am, it feels important to say that having described those 10 weeks and having talked about sort of the medical specific approach to each of those weeks, I also want to say that every week comes with some kind of spiritual teaching from either you know, Chinese medicine, Taoism, Buddhism, uh, First Nations, indigenous kind of Native American stuff, kind of where I'm from, uh, or other things that just poignantly bring our perspective and our awareness to a certain part of our life that matches up with the the part of the cleansing process we're doing. And I would say, I would say that mm, at least half of the comments I get from people who talk to me about their experience in the course say that it was the combination of not only having to focus on, you know, liver this or kidney that or pancreas this, it was the perspective of seeing that kind of a rite of passage uh, of self-care, but also being supported with those, uh, I know it's, I think I would describe them as wisdom teachings, but that makes them sound like all potent and contained in a way, but they're more like little parables that I think help people look at their lives and themselves within them in a slightly different way. Well, I, th- I think if I speak from my own experience with it, it was, uh, you know, some ancient wisdom that, um, was an easier pill to swallow than something some person in a white lab coat told me to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, uh, I mean, yeah, there was all the geek out kind of science behind, uh, body physiology and what I should be doing. And then having the sort of, um, uh, ancient ideas presented, um, that made that made sense. All of a sudden it felt 
like it sat um, deeper in me. Yeah, that, that's that's the why. Yeah, because we don't. If you don't really have a deep, like, I don't know if you know who Tony Robbins is, kind of a life coach guy. I mean, his whole thing is if you're not living your why, you're not really living. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people may not be there right now, but if you could find the why to at least stop hurting yourself, that might be a better start than, well, I might as well just forget this because I'm not Tony Robbins. I don't have a big enough why, so I'll just go back to my boring life and do boring things and, you know, die young of bad habits. Mm-hmm. But if we can find a why to change anything, uh, in a positive direction, that's going to change everything because that's going to change the person making the decisions and over, and maybe that's why people do the course more than once is they're, they're working out, you know, layers of, of how to find that deeper why. And, you know, we, we called the podcast, um, we called the podcast, the wisdom of spring. And that's kind of what I was bringing back into the conversation is that's, that is the wisdom of spring is finding a new why that gives you the courage to grow in a direction you haven't really tried before. Mm-hmm. And the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to retreat back to where you started. Worst thing is nothing is going to get worse. Yeah. Best thing is you're going to learn to trust yourself and, you know, that sort of butt shaking playful version of, of how to be in life where the burden of being serious and I mean, the modern world is just so nonstop, like ah, me, me, me. It's just like, yeah, what about, you know, play and life and dancing and, um, spontaneity and things. I mean, a lot of us still have all that, but I just working in the part of medicine I do, I meet mostly people who are broken, uh, over-medicated and under-respected. Mm-hmm. So my, my mind naturally goes to those poor folks who need to be like, picked back up and shaken off and inspired all over the place to get back to themselves. Yeah. You know, and I, I admit that I mean, sometimes in my conversations, maybe I can sound a bit low or dark or whatever. It's just because those are the conversations I have with most people who are dying. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I'm so happy to be standing up and I'm actually standing up because I don't like chairs, uh, doing the podcast today. But I'm really happy to be standing up, hoping that I'm speaking into this microphone and the little mouth noises I make are going to come out of some speaker. And the person listening, if you are that sick and you need that kind of help, I'm talking to you. And there's things that you can do, even little tiny things that could change everything because they're going to change you. And if the little noises I make are coming through your speaker and you're actually fit, happy and healthy, and you're listening to this with a smile on your face going, yep. Yep. That's, that's how I got to where I am right now was finding that why and sticking with it and, you know, being inspiring for other people. Cause I'm sure some of our listeners have to be health coaches and clinicians and people out there kicking butt and making a difference too. So I just want to, you know, in this movement, I'm getting freaking goosebumps standing here, but I think I'm just realizing I'm actually talking to people for the first time doing this, but <laughs> hello, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just, is this thing on, but just recognizing, you know, like th- this, this whole wisdom of spring thing. I mean, we need that more than anything, maybe not just in spring, but even just the first hour of your day. Like, you know? I, I think it, it, it really, um, personifies or, uh, encapsulates maybe, um, the whole idea of whatever it is that we're doing with the podcast and certainly whatever it is you're doing with your, uh, your practice. You know, uh, to be able to uh, shine a light on something for somebody to go, oh, hey, wait a minute. Uh, can you make that light a little stronger? You know, make it a little brighter and uh, do that while we're holding your hand or pushing them towards it or 
whatever. It's a, it's a very healthy, caring thing for uh, one to take care of oneself. But I also think that uh, what we're up to is um, very a very healthy, caring thing to be doing, right? We need to get flashlights. <laughs> and we're going to brand the flashlights with the little Fusion Health logo radio. And then we're going to mail them to all of our Patreon people. There you go. Because if we can help people by shining a light in a direction, the next thing to do is to give them their own flashlight mm -hmm. and say, keep going. Yep. Yep. Um, I'd say that'd be a pretty uh, cool place to stop the podcast for the day. Um, and we're just, uh, we're just over an hour and we're, we're kind of on time. Um, this has been a very, uh, inspiring conversation, sort of, uh, lighting a fire under my butt to be able to sit here and talk with you every week and hopefully for our listeners and our viewers uh, to be able to uh, do the same for themselves, to uh, take a step in the right direction um, and step over step number six. Uh, so I think what I'll do just to make sure everyone gets uh, more precise detail is, is um, I'll put up some uh, YouTube videos that I have that describe the course and maybe a little bit more precise detail and a bunch of like links and stuff for people who want to check it out. Uh, just, just to make sure that it's out there. Sure. Uh, and real quick for the sake of our, our podcast listeners, uh, what's the website people can f find out more? Uh, my primary website is called integrative health solutions.ca. Yeah. Health solutions with an S. Yeah. Integrative health solutions.ca. You can find out more about Michael and the work that he does, uh, as well as information about the, the 10 weeks to abundant health program that we've been talking about. Um, you can sign up for his email list. Uh, mm -hmm. Somewhere around there, there's probably a link to a Patreon account or two, if you want. Uh, but there, there would be on, if you sign up for my email, you'll get a link to the Patreon site that I have for my books and courses. Yeah. It's so. diff different from the Patreon site that we have for the Health Fusion Health Radio thing. Right. Um, all in, there are ways to uh, get more information and uh, perhaps uh, dig in uh, to a little bit more of that, maybe dig into your pocket a little bit as well uh, to help us do bigger and better things here uh, with this uh, with this program. Uh, I'm Anthony Santa, Dr. Michael Smith. On the other side of the microphone over there, this has been Fusion Health Radio, episode 47, The Wisdom of Spring. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next podcast. Have a great day. You have been listening to Fusion Health Radio. Please add your comments or post a question at Facebook slash Fusion Health Radio.